Welcome to the Uncommon CEO Podcast, where we unpack the mindset, skills, and wisdom it takes to become an uncommon leader in a common world with your host, the Uncommon CEO himself, Andrew Smart. Welcome to another edition of the Uncommon CEO Podcast. I'm here with Andrew Smart. Andrew, how was your weekend? Matt had a great weekend. First, I'm glad to be back with you. Yeah. Um, we do these podcasts on Mondays. Mondays are my favorite day of the week. They weren't my favorite day when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not my children's favorite day. It was not for my children this morning either. Yeah. So, yeah understood. That, uh, but it is it is my favorite day because Mondays are a day to start fresh, mm-hmm. to come in and, and start new. You get an opportunity at the beginning of the week to, to take this whole week of challenges and make something with it and you get started on Monday. So if so if you come in with the mindset of this week as an opportunity, then you got a whole week to achieve on those opportunities. Yeah. Monday's a good strategy day of the week to kind of lay out what's in front of you, how you're gonna tackle it, what's what's new and what's changing, and then react. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh hope all's well with you and the family. All's well. Just had a good weekend. Finally, it's that time of year where the yard's changing and things are coming back to life. So it's always exciting. We got out outside a good bit over the weekend. It was nice to have sunny mid fifties weather to just be outside in. So you grew up up north, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was way different for sure. I remember feet of snow definitely out back in Michigan as opposed to Inches of snow, but this is probably the first winter we haven't gotten snow in a while, though. Those people are conditioned for the circumstances of their environment. Mm-hmm. Bring them down south. Let's get into August and give them a little heat and humidity, yeah. and let's see how they respond. <laughs> no kidding. That's a whole different thing. It's funny. We were outside um, just at a local place that has outdoor dining and all that, and we see one guy sitting not wearing a shirt, and two ladies pass him wearing Vest, long sleeves, and a winter cap right beside him is a right. funny juxtaposition for for this time of year and how we get used to it. So we're 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 coming through this season of March Madness. We're you know we're we're approaching kind of I guess the three quarters in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, how 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 have you fared so far? Uh, my brackets a couple a couple have busted. So far, but I think that's been the case for everybody every year. I do have one that's in the 99.7th percentile right now, so I feel pretty good about that one. But the one where I have the money riding on it isn't that one. So You know, at church yesterday, there was a confession by a pastor there, and the pastor said that they pick Virginia over Furman. Oh, you can't do that here in Greenville. Come on. <laughs> and, so, and, yeah. and then he went a little deeper into his confession, said he predicted and Virginia to win it all. Oh well, his bracket busted early. He did. Yeah. He did. So at uh, and and the funny part about it is, is I think a lot of people predicted Virginia to beat Furman. I um, picked Furman in every bracket. I will say. Did you really? I because did, you believed yeah. it? Oh, because I'm a homer in a way, and I believed it. Yeah, they play fundamental basketball. They get in the paint. They shoot threes. And Virginia is the prior to this weekend the only number one seed to ever lose to a 16 so if anybody's going to choke on it well but let's think about that yeah. so the number one loses to end of the line right mm-hmm. 16 how do you think vegas fared on that not well I- i'm sure that you generally find yourself in a 15 20 point spread when you've got the odds so weighed against the underdog team yeah so so you've got most of your people who bet in in March Madness, they probably picked Virginia over Furman. That would be sure. a logical, 
reasonable, um, a, probably a smart bet if you looked at all the data, right? Yeah. But the data didn't always tell the true story. It's true. But data only gets you so far in life. We, we, we use data a lot in our lives. We use it more today than ever. We use it in business. Uh, I mean, data means a lot to us. It means a lot to our customers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, speaking with the data, you're in marketing, Matt. You're always you know, looking at trends and ideas. And, mm-hmm. But how does the data line up to it, right? Yeah, you, you should follow the data to a point. There is always room for, I mean, you can't always go with your gut. I mean, you're not going to be as successful in business if you don't follow the data to a point, but the the data can't tell the full holistic story. I've recently come back uh, from overseas trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was over in the Netherlands, Holland, or however you want to you know, call it these days. And by the way, it was cold over there. Huh. I, I don't guess I would have known that. For uh, time, uh, going over there... Uh, all but the first day I arrived, it snowed or sleet. Hmm. And so it was cold. So I was a little um, a little down when I returned back to South Carolina, and it was like mm-hmm. very cold. I'm like, wait a minute. I was looking forward to coming back to what I left from because when I left South Carolina, it was like 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. I come back and said, wait a minute. It's raining in 40. In 40. Yeah, come I, on. I think the low oh. when I got back uh, one night was like 25. That's not fair. I yeah, should have known not, better. Not, yeah. I mean, I expect little weather changes in March, but I was really looking forward to leaving that cold environment, which I had a great time, mm-hmm. that cold environment to come back to what I, what I love and where I'm from. But speaking on what we just talked about with Virginia Furman, uncertainty, bets, uh, looking, at, looking at where all the numbers line up and said, hey, this is closer to a sure thing. Mm-hmm. We find in life that, What's really a sure thing? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, every day that I live and every day that I go forward, um, I find less and less to be sure things. Um, I, I stick by the principle because I'm a faith-based man that when you know you look at faith, whatever you choose to believe in, for me, you know, I have, I have a faith in Jesus Christ, and I, I look at that as a sure thing. I mean, I, I see that as a sure thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Different people have different faith perspectives, and the reason why we have faith is because we need to lean in on something outside of our control. And so so faith, and then here in America, taxes. Yes, death, taxes, faith. Uh, it, it's a sure thing. It's mm-hmm. a sure thing, and it's a sure thing. If you don't pay your taxes, there's going to be a problem. Might result in death. a type of death yeah i mean it's a so there there are there are certain sure things but most things aren't sure things yeah and so that brought me to to a discussion around uncertainty because i think in life we're always facing uncertainty and we as humans struggle with uncertainty it doesn't matter who you are where you come from we as humans by nature struggle with uncertainty. And so, Matt, why do you think that we struggle with uncertainty? Well, there's comfort that comes with knowing what you're going to get. It's like if you go one time when I was overseas, for example, I went with some folks that they went to eat at Applebee's every day that we were in Sweden. And there are so many places you could go in Sweden that would be outstanding, but there was comfort uncertainty in knowing what you were going to get at Applebee's. So there, there's some, it's a comfort level. So Applebee's is their comfort. 
To them, it was. Yeah. I was eating weird fish and meatballs and all kinds of stuff, and they're going to Applebee's. So. But they, they, to them, Applebee's was a comfort to them because they felt they know what it is, mm -hmm. and they feel like they always know what they're going to get, and there's going to be consistency behind it. It's more of a fear of what if, because if they went somewhere else that they didn't know what they were going to get, they're worried about, well, what if I don't like it? I'm... It's hedging your bet at the end of the day. It's saying, I know I'm going to get something consistent over here, but if I take a chance, it might not pan out the way I hoped it would. But the truth is, is there isn't always, I mean, uh, I mean, there, there, there's not always consistency in one Applebee's to another, is there? Yeah, I mean, there's supposed to be, but sure. You can but there's not. Overcooked, undercooked, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, 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 we look at, systems and brands and things and we think oh it's always going to be the same but it's not mm -hmm. and it could be a service issue it could be a quality issue but it's not mm -hmm. i mean um we have expectations but it doesn't always mean those expectations are going to drive us to a certainty in them and so when i look at life i think those who are the most successful those who um perform at the highest level those who connect, you know, and, and, and lead in what we call an uncommon way, they truly understand the value of leading in an uncertain environment. Mm -hmm. They have to. In an uncertain world where everything is always changing. You know, when I was on that trip, you know, I, I worked with uh, Unilever. This was a this was a sponsored event from Unilever. Candidly speaking, Matt, I, I, I really enjoyed it. You would have loved it. It was. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was it was right up your alley. Um, I'm glad I went. They're going to do it again next year, um, so I think it'd be a great trip yeah. for you to take. I know a guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, but I'm glad I had that experience. Mm -hmm. It would have been it, you, you would have geeked out with you know head of R and D from all different kind of companies and doing all you know different types of foods and ideas and trends. So it was mm -hmm. it was a phenomenal event, and I appreciate Unilever inviting me to that event. Being involved in a world forum focused on what does what does food life look like mm -hmm. as we move forward into the futures because it was called the futures menu mm -hmm. and so um, so I, I'm really grateful for them they took care of everything they transportation hotels all of that but here's something that um, got me thinking a little bit on on this word uncertainty you've flown many times yeah okay most people nowadays. Um, have flown a lot. I mean, it's not like the old days where flying was more of a privilege. And mm -hmm. today, you know, we, you know, flying is just a way of life across the board for everybody. Um, but what, what, what you experience when you travel and flying is you have set times for travel. Mm -hmm. You have set times that a plane is going to arrive there and it's going to take off and it's going to get there. And when you walk into an airport, you have already walked in with a pre- Conceive mindset that you are going to get where you're going to get on time, right? Yeah, because often there's another on-time departure waiting for you there. But how often do delays happen? Pretty often, more so over the last 10 years than I've ever seen. You look at just the last year alone, there's been shortages of pilots. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there, there's been, I mean, they've had different kind of call scenarios that have created situations. I mean, it is, today, I think that's a huge struggle in our in our aviation world. And so, but I walked in with a mindset that the plane's going to be on time. It's going to arrive on time. 
and I'm going to get to where I need to go. And here's the deal. I did. But not everybody in the airports that I went through experienced the same experience I went through. Mm-hmm. And have you ever had a delayed flight? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Canceled flights, all that stuff. Canceled, delayed flights. And here's the interesting thing about that. So you go in there and 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 what 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 becomes the problem? Okay, when you go in and you see, okay, uh, I got to get to Atlanta for a connecting flight, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting for my flight, and you see it's delayed. What starts happening in your mind there? Oh, you start to spiral into worry. What if I miss my flight? Uh, is it going to be on time? One delay usually leads to a further delay. When they say. Your flight's 20 minutes delayed. You might as well assume your flight's two hours late. Well, your flight's delayed 40 minutes. Then all of a sudden they come back and they're like, looks like it can be an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the window of uncertainty, you have anxiety. Yeah. Because you're looking at, well, wait a minute, I got to get to Atlanta. My, you know, and I've got a transfer. I mean, how long is that going to take? Okay. Because mm-hmm. you don't know where you're going out of Atlanta. And so you're looking at uh, you, that window gap of time is narrowing, right? Mm-hmm. And so for a period of time, looking at that, you're you're dealing with the mental pressure of the uncertainty of the situation. Now, what happens when they come and tell you, "Sorry, your plane's going to be delayed three hours," and you already know now you're not going to make your transfer? You have to plan around it. There's a little bit of certainty added to it, but it's. You know, I think a lot of certainty is added to it because now you've moved past anxiety. Can I make this transfer? Can I can I get to this other plane? Now you know the situation. Yeah, you look for alternatives at that point. Yeah, and 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 you start making decisions based on the situation. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that uncertain situation, you don't know how to act. Yeah, you don't know. Should I book a car? Should I look for a different connecting flight? Because you don't know if you're going to make it or not. And so I, I, I want to dive in on that uncertainty. Here, when we talk a lot about leadership and we talk about the world and environments that we live daily, we're constantly managing uncertainty. Mm-hmm. We're constantly working through ever-changing environments, circumstances. At any given day, in any given time, I know that something can come at me that I didn't expect nor predict. And... And, and those create an uncertainty emotion that I have to work through in order to move us forward, mm-hmm. okay? And so I want to talk about, you know, what are some of the steps of uncertainty? You know, what, what, what does a, a good uncommon leader do when they are faced in a time of uncertainty? You know what the first step they do is? Uh, I don't. I mean, a, a good uncommon leader. I mean, they probably take stock of the situation to start and, you know, kind of get a here's here's where I am. And here's at least some ideas to get going off of it. To be an effective leader and to be uncommon in an uncertain situation, the leader's got to be visible. Now, think about that. Let's go back to anxiety. Anytime you have a situation, anytime, you know, whether it's a family, business, or it's a government. Mm-hmm. When we face uncertain times and we don't see our leaders present, what does it do to us? Oh, we immediately lose confidence. You get more worried about the situation because if your leader isn't visible, present, etc., 
inspires you to lose confidence in them. Yeah. When you don't see leadership in times of uncertainty, it stokes fear. Mm -hmm. it, it elevates anxiety, okay? It's what I've said many times and said on this podcast, you don't find leaders in the laid back, lazy river times of life. Mm -hmm. You find leaders in the dark storms, the difficult waters, mm -hmm. the uncertain situations. It's what, I, it's what I've said from a historical standpoint of George Washington, his greatest leadership of the Civil War wasn't because of the battles he won, because he lost more than he won. Mm -hmm. What his leadership was is when you had a dark, miserable winter at Valley Forge, and you had him with his men, with his troops, standing beside them in the most desperate situations where it was going to be either, we're going to come through this, succeed or fail. It was on, you see, because the gap between success and failure are small. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's what a lot of people um, don't recognize, that okay, that it is in times of uncertainty that that gap is small. I mean, they, we think that there's some type of big gap between success and failure, but it's really not. Mm -hmm. And so you find leaders who are visible during times of uncertainty. And those are the ones that, you know, and here's the, here, here's, here's one of the problems behind that too, because you can find leaders who like to be visible. Okay. But they're not really strong leaders. Yeah. They're just in it for the visibility or the vanity that comes with being visible. But we'll, we'll stick on to another historical character. Uh, Adolf Hitler was visible in a time of uncertainty. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, he's, he, he, he capitalized on the Germans during a depressive time, during a time where, you know, they had come through World War I, you know, we had the Great Depression. It was a very down time. So he capitalized on misery. And, and, you know, and, you know, that's where we find, you know, you know, like dictators and people like him are great at, it doesn't have to be like a dictator like we see of Adolf Hitler. It can be... People like that, what they do is they find something to exploit. Mm -hmm. And when they find something to exploit, then you can sit there and say, hey, you know why your life's miserable? It's because of them. You create a villain. That's it. That's exactly right. We see that in our own country at times. Mm -hmm. Find someone to blame for, for all your issues of life rather than finding leaders who stand up and say, hey, we're going to take ownership as a country, as citizens, that, you know, that that... Or in a business, okay? You know, we all got to come together, take ownership. We got to, we got, we got to be visible. But here, here, here's where I'm going to the second point. So we said visible. This is where a good leader acknowledges. A good leader acknowledges the situation. You know that that is is it's like it's like walking into a room, or when we're having meetings, a staff meeting. It's it's, it's acknowledging. Here's where we're not doing well. Mm -hmm. It's acknowledging. Here's here's where a decision has to be made because if we don't make this decision, here's what it could be. It's acknowledging the reality rather than kind of. We use the the term for breezing it up the. Field. That is a term there, brother, so, for breeze. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. and we've talked about how for breeze has impacted, right? Mm -hmm. And for those who listen to this podcast, I gave a a leadership message talking about you know for breeze. And talking about kind of how Febreze came to be, that 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 in the the beginning days of Procter and Gamble, when they were working on this this product, um, you know, it started out with a with a R and D guy, a mm -hmm. scientist guy, who was messing with some chemicals, and what he what he ended up coming up with is something that could cover his cigarette smell, mm -hmm. 
And and they realized that they had um, a product that was effective, but what when they launched this product, they launched it as a product that covered up stink. Yep. You know, and so and what happened was is they found that okay, uh, we got a problem here because we got all this resources behind developing this product, but the people aren't really gravitating towards it because. You know, I, I think, you know, the marketing goes what was really pivoted towards females, homes, environment, stuff like that. And 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 the the mom, the wife, you know, wh- whomever, they didn't want to think about their house stinking. Yeah, nobody wants to acknowledge they smell. Right. Yeah. And so and so they learned, okay, that you know, that that the the value of this product isn't what it covers up, and we all know it does. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know it does. And but what they learned was through a lot of research that they found this woman who had cleaned her house, then she Febreze. Mm-hmm. Because so they, they saw, okay, wait a minute. Febreze becomes a value added feeling towards something. It becomes not to cover up, it becomes a value add. Mm-hmm. Like something you do to reward yourself after a, a- successful cleaning exactly and Mm -hmm. that's exactly what they studied acknowledging issues being what we talk about a word that we like to use is candid right Mm -hmm. i mean that's where when you are candid you can be open and honest right absolutely and so i think that i think that often in times of uncertainty i think sometimes we struggle with candidness it's hard to say what's truly on your mind or people have grown to fear that because, you know, it makes uncomfortable moments and people don't like uncomfortable moments. No. It is the uncomfortable moments that define who you are. Mm-hmm. It is the uncomfortable moments that when we say make or break you, but of course you grow in uncomfortable moments. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, how many times you heard me say we'll never grow in comfort? A number of times. And yeah, I take that to heart for sure. Funny part, I was at uh, I was at dinner the other night with a good friend and mentor in my life, and we were kind of talking about situations, things we we're going through. And he said this uh, during dinner. He said, "Andrew, he said you you are your best when you have big challenges on in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, you are your best when you are tested at high levels." And he was right. And it's funny, you know, I many times in those tests, I deal with the emotions of the onset of the test, but it's true. I become my best when I'm facing my biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. And I'm candidly, I say at my worst when I'm not facing bigger challenges. Cause I, you know, I, I, I often go searching for challenges at that time. And so, so I, I am, cause that's where I'm going to find out who I am. I'm going to find out what I can do. I want to find out, you know, and I think I'm motivated by overcoming the obstacles in front of us. And, and so leading through uncertainty, I feel like from the onset of, of my journey, I feel like it's always been uncertain. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've always lived in that land of uncertainty. And I'm going to tell you, you know, you know, God and I've had a few discussions on that too. Cause I, cause I've kind of asked him many times and said, you know, I, I can lead through uncertainty. I'll, I'll go, but do we have to have as much uncertainty? Yeah. Just lighten up a little bit, guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I can honestly tell you, he's always been with me through it all. Um, I'm not going to tell you he's always lightened it up a lot, mm-hmm. but I've also learned that in life. Remember when I played that video one time of the captain 
facing an uncertain situation. Yeah, like the waves are up on you. It's well, remember in that particular video, it was it was a ship being attacked by another ship, mm -hmm. and and it was facing a difficult, uncertain situation. That if he stayed where he's at, they're going to get blown up from this other ship. But ahead of him was a storm, so he had the choice of dealing with the uncertainty of the storm or the reality of this other ship's going to blow us out of the water. Mm -hmm. And so he led those that crew into a storm, dealing with all the uncertainty of the storm, because I've either got to face uncertainty or the reality of what's behind me is going to kill me. Mm -hmm. And so he did, and we walked through that whole storm scenario, and we saw decisions that had to be made, because here's the deal. When you're in a storm you have to make decisions decisively. Yep. You, you can't wait. hesitate. I, I've said this many times. Hesitation gets you killed. Every time I've hesitated, something has happened to me that, that I could have avoided happening if I'd have made a damn decision. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so too often we hesitate in that decision because uncertainty causes hesitation. I mean, it's a, it is, it is, I was working with my son Recently, he's playing flag football this spring, and and I was talking with him after the first game, and I said, Drew, Drew's a processor; he's a thinker. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. and 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 he he he, you know, he wants to process, think through, make sure he's following all the rules of engagement right. And I told him after the game, I said, Drew, first, I'm proud of you, you know, being out there, and we talked through the good and and then bad of the game, and I said, Drew, here here's where I want you to work in your mind going into the next game. I don't care if you make a mistake. I don't care if you drop a pass. I don't care if you miss a flag. Mm -hmm. I said, what I want you to do is just attack. Just attack. If you miss the guy, miss him, but miss him with everything you got. If you miss a ball, don't think about it. Just go for it. Yeah. You know, don't, you know, don't sit there and overthink the situation. In sports, that's a first thing to get over because the fundamentals you work on, but having that mindset of attack is critical. Sure. And so when you're in an uncertain situation, you have to attack the situation. You have to move forward and you have to make decisions. You can't sit back and say, am I right? Am I making the right decision? That's not going to work. You have to make a decision. We, we, we go through that in business. We're going through it today. I mean, I've got meetings coming up. We're making decisions, and those decisions become action. I don't know if they're all right. But I, but I, I know this. When you're leading through uncertainty, it is all about making decisions and making them decisively. Coming back to making decisions and talking about uncertainty and leadership, okay? Um, I shared with you I was overseas, mm -hmm. okay, and – and one of the things that I did when I was overseas is I went to the Van Gogh Museum. Oh yeah, awesome! I, it was. I mean, I, I didn't know really what to expect. I mean, I, I think most people, if they had to think of Van Gogh in a picture, they think Starry Night. Yeah, pretty much the sunflowers. Sure. So yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's so it was it was fascinating to go through the museum, um, learn about Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to tell you that I, I I'm not an art connoisseur. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not the guy that can just sit there all day long, stare at it, and you know, I mean, and 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 talk about all the impressions. And I mean, but I I'm a historical guy, so I enjoyed going through it, learning it, and really learning about Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. 
Um, cause I didn't really know a lot about Van Gogh. Um, Van Gogh, like many artists and many people in life, um, had pretty tragic life. Yeah. I mean, mental illness, not being a very successful financially painter, all those things. And yet, and yet this guy, uh, who went through all those things impacted the world with his work. Mm Mm-hmm. And 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 his style and, and the things that he focused on. But you're right. I, um, I mean, I I looked at Van Gogh's journey. I mean, literally the the, the year before he committed suicide. I mean, he was in a mental institution, mm-hmm. and it talked about the things he studied and 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 learned as he's going through that. And you know, he cut his own ear off. I know because I think he had a girl he was wanting to be with, and she didn't reciprocate. So he sent her his ear. I mean, I, that's a bold gesture. I've had many breakups, Matt. I just didn't. Uh, I, I haven't come to that point in my yeah, life. Yeah, you, you had to do that one. Mm-hmm. And so it's it was interesting being there and looking at you know the works that this man did. It wasn't just his works there. There were people who worked with Van Gogh, and and what I can tell you is, regardless of the story of his life, the work that he did was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so, whether you know you 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 look at man, this guy dealt with mental illness, all these kind of issues, Gavinier going for it, you know. I mean, that tells you how much he loved her, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a um, what I what I walked away was the the value of the picture, mm-hmm. and I think uncertainty in leadership when leaders are leading through uncertainty. You know what they're doing? They're painting a picture. You know, they're, they're, they're making a choice in, in front of whomever they're leading, and they're painting a picture. And it's a choice of what they want to paint there. Because I think you can find leaders in any given situation of uncertainty, you'll find someone who paints a beautiful picture forward. A picture of, you know, I... I I, 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 I like the mindset of a leader who is optimistic and merges realistic with optimism. Mm-hmm. And so you paint a picture. It's like, it's like looking at a picture and a painting of George Washington in Valley Forge. I don't know if you've seen them. There, there's, there, there's, oh, yeah. there's a lot of artists rendering of it. You see George Washington quite often in that picture on a horse in the snow, men around. You don't. I mean, it's not a picture where it's just bright and sunny and cheery. It's, that's not the picture. But you see George standing strong on that horse. And you see George rallying through difficulty. I mean, that that's what you see. And so, so you, you, you're painting a picture of through difficult situations, through uncertainty, there's the opportunity to keep us moving forward. Hey, man, you know, you know, you know, we can get through this. We will overcome this. That's what you see in that. But you can also get other leaders who paint, you know, despair. It's the vision. Uh, if the leader has a vision of a brighter, more promising future, that's the picture they paint. But if the leader leads with worry and despair, then that's the picture they paint. It's like what we talk about listening to the news these days. I mean, the news can be very depressing, right? Sure can be. Well, they know that, and we've talked about this before. Why is the news you know, depressing? Because research has shown 
that people gravitate to those kind of messages. Yeah, when I was in journalism classes, they said if it bleeds, it leads was the term they used. I, I read a book uh, about a year ago um, that that talked about a study out of Ohio State University where they where they said that basically in the study in a news agency that they will lead for every eleven stories, they'll have one feel good story. Yeah, I believe it because the other stuff sells more. Mm-hmm. I mean, people gravitate to destruction and despair and, you know, I mean, it, it, it's like, why, why do they, why do often people gravitate certain reality shows? Because they get there and they look at their life and they see bad things. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them, or at least I'm not as crazy as them. At least I'm not in that country with a civil war going yeah. on right so, now. So yeah. you see where the mindset of people go. So <clears throat> a poor leader paints a picture of despair. Mm-hmm. It paints a picture. See, see, I'm going to go back to that Adolf Hitler statement I made. Okay, leaders stand in the midst of difficulties, and they understand what sacrifice is. Poor leaders, and, and, and we don't have to look at Adolf Hitler. We can, we've, we've had leaders in our own country. We've had people. You see, they'll sacrifice everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they'll do. They'll, they will sacrifice everyone else rather than sacrificing themselves. That's poor leadership. So in uncertainty times, I mean, you know, we, we talk about the Hitlers and the Stalins and those kind of people because, you know, they, they sacrifice everybody else. Mm-hmm. They weren't down in the trenches with their guys. Never would be, never will be. Mm-hmm. That's where you find poor leadership in uncertain times. But we also find the best leadership in uncertain times. They're leading through, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but we're going to get to tomorrow. That's what they're doing because no one knows what tomorrow looks like. But here's the deal. If you don't face the reality of today and work through it, you'll never get to tomorrow, right? That's the truth. And so that's where leaders are great in uncertainty, but they're also great at hope. I believe a good leader is always expressing hope, you know, and they're staying away from predictions. You know, too often we want to predict things. We mm-hmm. want to predict that Virginia is going to be Furman. Yeah. You know, we want, we, we, we really look for predictions. But a good leader is inspiring hope, not predictions. You know, I don't, it's like sitting in a meeting where we're dealing with a difficult situation where decisions got to be made. At the end of the day, the decision is made and, 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 it's, and it's reinforcing the encouragement of us making decisions. But not every decision, you know, if we looked at just the decision, there's no way to predict that that decision is going to be right. You know, we only know it's right after we execute it on it and see where it lands. Mm-hmm. And hindsight's always twenty twenty. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so when you've heard the statement that, which I've used many times, that hope's not a strategy, well, hope's part of the strategy. Because if hope's not part of the strategy, what do you got? Well, I mean, despair again. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Don't all of us... In uncertain times, don't we want hope? Sometimes that's all we want in uncertain yeah. times. Yeah. We want hope. You you were with me through COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and you know, we led through, made decisions. And I wouldn't you say COVID was an uncertain time? Every day was uncertain during COVID. Every day. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and the the funny part about it is we're not that far removed from it, but at times it does seem like a long time ago. Sure does. It's still going on, you know. It is, but <laughs> It's a way of life now. Yeah, exactly. So we, you know, we we have taken something that was so uncertain that we didn't know anything about, 
Now we have knowledge. Now we have experience. Now, and it doesn't it doesn't affect our routines of life anymore. That's mm-hmm. part of the traveling. I mean, when I first was able to travel after COVID, and you might have had, I mean, everybody wore a mask on a plane. Oh yeah, it was way different. It yeah. sucked. Mm-hmm. And so now we 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 don't have that anymore. And and why? Because we've worked through the uncertainty of what this is. Mm-hmm. It didn't take the reality that what you just said it still exists. But once you've come through the uncertainty, it's like we talked about, you know, when we've become certain the plane's not going to make it on time and, mm-hmm. and we're not going to make our transfer, you start moving in a different direction. And so that's where good leadership, uncommon leaders lead with hope. You know, and so while it is hope isn't the strategy, it is part of the strategy. And if you don't have a strategy that have hope, has hope behind it, whatever you've decided on is not going to work because nobody's going to believe in it. So Matt, that's where I see where great leaders lead through uncertainty. They take the situation and they build on those thoughts that I just shared with you, that uncertain times are always going to exist. I mean, it's COVID one day. It's it's a banking deal, you know, we talk about today, you know, which which candle will probably lead into some other financial issue. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the thing of uncertainty. There's nothing secure. It's like putting your money in a certain investment in the market. Well, guess what? It's great today. It's not tomorrow. I mean, it's there is nothing. I mean, you, th- those banks that I'm bringing up that, you know, went down. So they, you, what did they do? They moved all their money into treasuries and bonds. Mm-hmm. Okay. They thought this was a winner. Well, guess what happened? Interest rates went up and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're, they're in a liquidity issue. Mm-hmm. Because nothing's certain when it comes to that. But what has to be certain in uncommon times is leaders who are decisive, and lead with hope. It felt like today that you touched on four specific pieces of information that of how to lead during uncertainty. You you want to re- recap those real quick? These will be the the four plays that get you in the end zone. First, it's like I told you, when you're leading un- through uncertainty and you're a leader, people gotta see you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can't be like where is he or she at. They they need to be able to see you. Because the first part of, of of getting through that is knowing that that person's in it with you. Mm-hmm. I mean that that is critical, you know, to 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 the beginning stage of anything. I mean, because if the leader's not there, and here's the funny part: there's many examples of that. Many examples. I mean, that's where you you see. I mean, it's like going back to some of those bank deals. I mean. CEO, where'd CEO at? I mean, where they, they tuck tail. Then it's about acknowledging, acknowledging the reality of the situation, mm-hmm. not sugarcoating it, not doing the acknowledging it. Because once you know how to deal with it, you know that it's kind of like um, one of our colleagues, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, in in Monroe. Um, it was about. I guess it's almost a year ago, a little somewhere in the time frame, mm-hmm. um, was diagnosed with cancer. Okay. Um, and and a pretty devastating news on what type of cancer it was. Okay, you know, when when you when you first, you know, receive that kind of news, you're dealing with uncertainty, right? You're dealing with the emotions of uncertainty and fear, mm-hmm. and your mind's going all over the place. Okay. But what, what you look at and what you study, and I've talked with them, I mean, it's once you have gone through that emotion, now you're acknowledging the reality of your situation, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the stages of grief happening there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you're acknowledging 
you know, okay, I have whatever cancer it is. Once you've acknowledged it, what are you doing? You can start planning around it. Yeah. You've accepted the fact that you have a problem to solve. Now it's time to solve it. And you begin working with your team, in that case, doctors, mm-hmm. and you start painting a picture, right? Yeah, absolutely. You start building a plan. And what was funny about, you know, his name's Kenny, and you know Kenny. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that particular plan, the, the initial hit was, this is a extremely devastating cancer. This is terminal. Um, but once he surrounded with the right team, acknowledged the situation, developed the team around him, then the picture they started painting that I think is fascinating because while they took tools we had, what those tools needed was hope that goes beyond, you know, what they're going to use. And it was just last week I was talking to Cordary about Kenny and, and, and the situation, and he's got one more treatment. But every time he goes to the doctor and, and, and the message you get back, you know, he's he's always praising the doctor for the work. And he goes, Kenny, honestly, it's not me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 th- th- there, there's there's a bigger force behind this than me. And that's where that hope lies. Yeah, I think it all comes down to that hope because the picture has been painted. OK, if, if, if you go to the onset of that Kenny deal. Because when the news was first placed, if we live on just predictions, his prediction is probably he's not here today. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So guess what? Predictions versus hope. I'll take hope every day. Hope tells me I can get to the next day. Mm-hmm. Hope working with a team motivated in, in these difficult situations, committed to the decisions, but have a belief in them gets me to the next day mm-hmm. absolutely and it'll get me to the day after that so here's the deal when you're in uncertainty as a leader you have to always have hope thanks for joining us today on the uncommon ceo podcast subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts we have video episodes on our youtube channel and more uncommon wisdom on our social media Find all our links and resources at UncommonCEOPodcast.com. For Andrew Smart and all of us here at the Uncommon CEO, stay uncommon.